You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 339 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. And I'm doing this podcast standing up. I think it brings a different vibe to the to the show. And I hope everyone's had a great Christ Mass and a new Gregorian year celebrations. I'm recording and releasing this episode on the last day of 2023. And uh, I hope that... Uh, oh, wait, wait. One second. Uh, some breaking news. Breaking news here in the Middle East. A massive explosion at the largest refugee camp in Gaza. Joining us now is Lieutenant Colonel Richard Hecht. He's the international spokesperson for the Israel Defense Forces. So can you confirm it was an Israeli attack that uh, destroyed a big chunk of that Jabalia refugee camp? Yes, I can. But even if that uh, uh, Hamas commander was there amidst all those Palestinian refugees who are in that, uh, in that Jabalia refugee camp, Israel still went ahead and, and dropped a bomb there, attempting to kill this Hamas, uh, this Hamas, Hamas commander, knowing that a lot of innocent civilians, men, women, and children, presumably would be killed. Is that what I'm hearing? This is the tragedy of war. family on both sides was exterminated. Both of my parents were in the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. And it's precisely and exactly because of the lessons my parents taught me and my two siblings that I will not be silent when Israel commits its crimes against the Palestinians. And I consider nothing more despicable than to use their suffering and their martyrdom to try to justify the torture, the brutalization, the demolition of homes that Israel daily commits against the Palestinians. So I refuse any longer to be intimidated or browbeaten by the tears. If you had any heart in you, you would be crying for the Palestinians. When the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart that you can't take part, you can't even passively take part, and you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop, and you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. You need an intolerant minority. You need at the the supposed threshold, rough, is that ten percent of a community of a group that absolutely refuses to budge. I will not entertain this whatsoever. Is often all that is needed 
to push the trend in the opposite direction and convert the entire group. We need to be willing to say no and to hold to that completely and say, I'm not fucking participating. We need to be the Muhammad Ali's. We are, we are, we will draft, we will dodge the draft. We will do it. We're not doing this. We are not playing your stupid fucking game. You are not going, we are not letting you destroy the world because if we get, if we're hopeless, then we're just going to sit back and let it happen. I actually think we can stop it. And all we need is 10%. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to indicate to the people who run it, to the people who own it, that unless you're free, the machine will be prevented from working at all. What you heard there was Normal Finkelstein, Mario Savio, and Guy Swan on the Liberty Lockdown podcast. And Guy Swan's remark about the 10% particularly resonated with me although I uh, I did come across additional intriguing data from uh, let's see here from 1900 to 2006 non-violent resistant campaigns yielded twice the success rate compared to their violent counterparts this introduces the concept of the 3.5% rule, suggesting that no governing body can resist a movement encompassing 3.5% of its population without either accommodating to the protesters or in severe cases collapsing entirely. And this is good news. I mean, I know I'm on the fringe side of the world, of society. Maybe you are too. Well, that's why you're listening to this. And uh, there's there's not that many that can see through the BS going around in the world. Um, there's not many of us, but we're way more than 3.5%, aren't we? Recent research by Damon Santola of the University of Pennsylvania, published in Science, uh, suggests that a committed minority constituting 25% of the population, of a population, can influence societal norms and reshape the majority view. The online experiment involving 194 individuals placed in independent online communities found that once a consensus was established, a minority could overturn this consensus if they represented 25% of the population. Contrarians could convert between 72% to up to 100% of the population at and slightly above this percentage. One study... uh, said 3.5%. A guy Swan said 10%. And this uh, more conservative study here uh, done at the University of Pennsylvania says about 25%. Still, that's not a high number. That's only a quarter. I mean, And uh, I do think, because two studies said a lower amount, and the one that said the highest, 25%, it also says that real-life factors such as competing minorities, lack of interaction and active resistance could hinder such changes. Now, if you're the, let's call it the deep state, 
or um, the pedophilic Illuminati cabal, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, uh, or maybe just the you know the non-conscious machine chugging away towards the mountain of eternal greed. Um, whatever you call it, if they want to stop a resistance, and if what stops a resistance is things like competing minorities, then it would be very interesting to ensure that we have issues like racial issues, gender issues, cultural war issues, uh, all that stuff. Even like election interfering issues, uh, wearing a mask issue, taking the jab issue. Like this kind of like bickering BS would create different groups that believe in these different minor things like wearing a mask or Black Lives Matter or whatever. Um, what I mean is the more competing minorities we have, the more difficult it will be to overthrow these motherfuckers. So really my message for the new year is that we should, and I'm guilty as well of this, but we should just like not engage and just focus on the issue. And the issue is why should anyone want to rape the human rights of another? Very simple. Uh, why would anyone want that? I'm sure 25% of us don't want that. So why is it still allowed to happen? Where is the paradigm shift? And I'm not, if you think I'm just talking about Palestine, no. If you think I'm talking about Ukraine or some poor people in Africa, I don't, I'm not talking about human rights. I'm talking about their human rights. I'm talking about all human rights. rights. Your human rights are being violated right now. Every moment of your living, breathing life, the government is fucking you up the ass. And um, you have nothing to say about it. So even if you, don't get me wrong, even if you love the government, and even if you love what your taxes pay for, including the wars, even, even if you love all that, the problem is you have nothing to say about it. You must obey at the end of the day you must submit and obey to the will of the machine whatever the issue when you are brought to your knees to make a vital decision Whatever that is, you must still obey the state. 
And that is a violation of human rights, in my opinion. It also says that something that could hinder the 25% from, you know, uh, making shit real, as they say, uh, is that a lack of active resistance, you know, basically being lazy. (laughs) A, A lot of people are just wasting time scrolling a feed on Twitter or TikTok or wherever. I've done that myself, so I know exactly what it's like, but, you know... That's that's not healthy. Which reminds me, I don't know if I said, but I did manage to crawl my way back onto Twitter, or it's called X, but uh, now. So it's Born Alchemist, if you if I haven't managed to get banned again, I don't know. Anyway, um, where was I going with all this? Well, yeah, 25% is um, it's achievable, and that's hopeful. Uh, because we want, you know, <laughs> I know it's like a, what do you call it? It's like a stereotype, but you have this dude, it eats mushrooms, trips, and the next day goes like, hey man, we should just have peace on earth, and you know, like, well, you know, we should just fucking chill out, and yeah, love everybody, and you know, why is that funny? Why is that funny? I mean, if everybody if everybody said that, then you know, <laughs> why why is that is that dangerous to say that? Is it dangerous to to say that that we should have peace on earth and everybody should be allowed to just chill and relax without? bothering anybody else is that is that dangerous to think like that is that why psychedelics could be dangerous Um, is that what people think because I have I've had those psychedelic experiences where I felt that and said that and still feel and sometimes do say that uh, so I don't, um, I fully understand that stereotype because there is a truth to all stereotypes. Um, this is probably why the lockdowns failed. I mean, there was enough, there were at least 25%. I mean, there were definitely 3.5% that, that uh, opposed lockdowns and they didn't manage to keep those going. So maybe, maybe, maybe... It did work. Maybe these numbers are correct. Uh, it's very hopeful. I know I'm rambling now. Uh, but um, I like to ramble. And I just wanted to share this positive message. That in all likelihood. We only need to be 3.5% of the population. How many, However many that is. I don't know. But it's, I'm sure there's, there's quite a lot of people still. But it's not that many percentage wise. So just... Uh, Come out of the closet. Just fucking tell everybody. <laughs> uh, tell everybody the good words you've 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 um, received from uh, these magical plants. 
I have a little knowledge of the inner workings of corporations, institutions and governments and, and the key word is compartmentalization. Compartmentalization, that's the key word. Because there's the banality of evil. When you're talking about the, the machine, you know, there's, not, it's not, there's many people working for the machine. And we're all in the machine. We're all working for the machine, in a sense. But I mean, like, the people who, who at the top, you know, they n- are not necessarily in on it. Because we have uh, something called compartmentalization. Another aspect that's important is that uh, even though you can change shit from the inside, uh, as long as you don't fuck with the money, as soon as you start fucking with the money, in whatever machine you're trying to change from the inside, that machine will crush you. So um, I do support any change from within because a direct attack from the outside only creates support. So if you have some dude that goes around and blows up governmental buildings, you're going to achieve support for the government. So that's not a good tactic. That's why I think a lot of terrorism is bullshit. Because if you have a brain and you want to gain support, you don't do that by killing people. Uh, Even though... You might wanna, um, even like stuff like Q and Trump, Donald Trump is probably just like fucking CIA psyops. Uh, what we really need, and this is where, because I often, at least in social media, I mean, I, 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 and I often talk about it as well. I like the 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 Joker. Why do I like the Joker? Because he thinks all of this is funny, and when you think. All of this is funny and pathetic. And I'm talking about not necessarily exactly the character of the Joker in a specific Batman movie. Forget about that. I'm talking more about the archetype of the Joker. That's also the archetype of Hermes or uh, the tarot card the Fool or um, the god Pan. So... um, in that sense, the Joker. And the Joker thinks all that's funny. And when you think something's funny in a, like, not condescending way uh, and not a laughing with way, just like, you know, like you're walking in the forest and you trip and you stumble a few steps and you might laugh to yourself, like, <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, that kind of funny. Uh, I don't know what you call that, but a chuckle. Uh, If you have that attitude towards everything, towards the government and all these uh, uh, corporate machinists, if you have this kind of attitude, then everything becomes irrelevant. Because it, it is. It's all irrelevant. Most of the stuff in your life and everything about the machine we're all inside... Uh, the system, all of it is really irrelevant. You don't really need anything from it or of it. It's it's basically irrelevant. I mean, you have those people close to you that you love. And for hundreds of thousands of years, the species you are has managed to survive somehow. So, 
you have everything you with few exceptions of course but in general most people have two arms and two legs and they can walk around and speak and talk and they really do have uh, everything they need to survive it might not be comfortable it might not be what you want to do because it's easier to just like order a pizza with a phone and sit in a heated house you know uh, so you might need the machine or the system to make sure you have all that even though you could get it in another way but still for argument's sake uh, it might not be comfortable but you you can do it so all you need is to make sure that the people you love uh, are uh, not hungry and not cold and happy and uh, th- that's that's all we really need and why is it so difficult to just like you know what's funny this is such a stupid idea many of you are going to think this is very naive what I'm about to say very naive and ludicrous and it would be something a child would think but really if we want to, we don't really need money. I mean, if everybody just like gave everything for free, we don't really need money. If everybody is fairly self-sustained, uh, we might need a few things from each other. We can trade, but uh, we really don't need money. We need money to keep the status quo. We we do need money for that. But if we don't care about the status quo. We don't really need money. Now it would make it easier if everybody felt that. Because then we really wouldn't need money. But maybe only 3.5% of us need to feel that. Because even though it sounds naive and maybe retarded or childish as a father of two children I've heard enough to say that even though what they say could be childish from the perspective of an adult I still think that the only child is the adult because the children they know the answer they're not racist they don't really hate they might dislike certain food, but that's about it. Um, and when they see a homeless person and I ask them, what should we give that homeless person? And I'm thinking like an adult, 10 bucks, uh, some food. The child goes, we can buy it a home. Well, what... It is a very simple solution. You're homeless. Here's a home. Of course the child is naive. And doesn't understand that. uh, To buy a home costs a lot of money. But then I was thinking. Why don't I buy a house. For that homeless guy. I mean if I. Sold my house. And lived in a smaller house. And uh, maybe sold some of my stuff. And saved some money. Maybe I could scratch together the uh, 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 the amount I need to buy some cheap small house for this homeless person. 
why don't I do that? I mean, if everybody did something like that, then we'll also have a better world. So I, 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 I don't think children are childish. I think they are pure. The more we can recover that inner child, the stronger we get, the more peaceful this world becomes. The inner child laughs at funny shit. The clown always entertains children. Do you know what? You know, a common theme when you enter the DMT realm is that you are faced with some sort of harlequin creature, a jokerish being. Maybe that's just me. Because everybody's experience is different. But I've, I've seen some of these DMT artists. And I've seen what they've painted. So I think I'm not the only one. Clowns can be scary. But when you grow up and you mature. You don't find them scary anymore. Because you know it's just a fucking clown. If you like this podcast. But want to feast your eyes as well as your ears. Perhaps you should head over to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Simply search Natural Born Alchemist channel on YouTube and it shall appear. Or click the link in the program notes of this episode. I put a lot of effort into the videos I make and hopefully you'll enjoy them. If you want to support me, please subscribe on YouTube and even better, leave a like or a nice comment. YouTube is severely lacking in nice comments. So with your help, let's change that. Anyway, I hope I will see you there. Anyway, there's this guy called Milton Friedman and now I'm changing topic a bit. Not really, but it's the same kind of topic, but from a different perspective. Uh, Milton Friedman was an esteemed American economist. I got that from Google, so I I didn't call him esteemed. I just, I don't know if he is esteemed. He's interesting. Milton Friedman was an interesting American economist who made contributions to the field of economics. And in fact, he even earned a uh, Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences in 1976. And I want to play uh, this this, uh, guy interviewing him, asking him questions about his views about the government and taxation and all that stuff. And I thought it was an interesting uh, perspective to hear. I don't agree fully with Milton. I don't don't want any governments that he, he like wants a very small government. I would prefer a no government. So I'm a bit more radical and extreme than Milton Friedman. But maybe he's more the adult version of me. (laughs) So let's listen and hear what he has to say. We begin by asking Dr. Friedman just what is a libertarian. The typical definition of libertarianism, in my mind, is that a libertarian wants the smallest, least intrusive government consistent with... Consistent with a maximum freedom for each individual to follow his own ways his own values as long as he doesn't interfere with anybody else's doing the same okay consistent with the maximum freedom of each individual as long as he doesn't interfere with under other individuals pursuing their own freedom but as a matter of fact there are two really different versions of libertarianism 
the more extreme version of libertarianism, has one central principle. It is, it is immoral to initiate force on anyone else. That's the prime view. That's the prime, that's the Ayn Rand type libertarianism. So the coercive power of the state is immoral in and of immoral itself. Immoral in and of itself. And you and don't... all you need to know, to know that something of the state is immoral, is whether it involves the initiation of force. That's one brand. Now there's another brand, which is one I would uh, be favorable to, which you could call consequentialist libertarianism. And it's the one you've just defined. Well, you've just defined it, but thank you. I'll take the credit. I see the way you work with graduate students. Now, if I may, let me take you through a series of questions that are floating around in the modern mind and ask how a libertarian addresses them. Question number one, the environment. Now, it would strike a lot of people living in Manhattan that Central Park is very important to their lives and that if Milton Friedman had his way, it would be turned over to the market and buried under skyscrapers and parking lots within 18 months or however long it takes Donald Trump to put the structures up. It doesn't take a, uh, a governmental agency to maintain the theaters in New York. It doesn't take a government agency to maintain the, the, the museums, the art museums in New York. The Museum of Modern Art is not a government museum, it's a private, it happens to be there are two kinds. There are private for-profit enterprises. They're not not-for-profit enterprises, like the museum, like the opera house, and so on. Right. In the same way, if, if Central Park were not owned by the government, it never would have become the filthy place it became. You forget what happened to Central Park. Uh, we, for years, for some years, a long, long time ago, lived uh, on Central Park West when we were in New York. This was Pretty good address. During the war. Well, even, even then it was a very good it, address. It wasn't a bad address, but it wasn't particularly good. All right. But we were able to take our children down to the park and when our, they were babies and, and let them, leave them with a teenage sitter. And nobody was worried about safety. But in more recent years, until the very recent years, Central Park came to be a place where you wouldn't dare to do that. It wasn't safe. That was because it was a government park. The central principle is that nobody takes care of somebody else's property as well as he takes care of his own. If Central Park were privately owned, it would be advantageous to provide recreational spaces. Now, you just touched on something very important because one of the things I'm trying to distinguish here is the extent to which your libertarianism is effectively a moral position. You do it because it's right and just. It creates the greatest conditions of justice. And the extent to which you do it, because it works. And it sounds to me as though you have both reasons pretty well wrapped up. Absolutely. If it didn't work, the main thing is, if it didn't work, it would be an impossible goal. The only reason there's any chance of keeping government limited is because government is so inefficient and does so poorly. I want to push you one more time on the environment. Air. Mm -hmm. Here in California, it turns out there are 30 million people who like to breathe. And we have, particularly in the L.A. basin, smog beginning in the 1970s mm -hmm. that the environmental movement begins to Oh, come. no, the smog and, went back 100, 200 years. There are stories of the Indians describing that as a smoggy area. So part of what's going on it's is just it's, natural. Just a, it's natural. But no doubt. The, the thing about that is there is a argument mm -hmm. for government uh, requiring those who impose costs on third parties to pay for them. 
And the point is, with respect to smog, the efficient way to do it is to use the market. And how, how do you create property rights in the air, say? Well, you do it now by uh, selling the right to emit a certain amount of pollutants into the air. You now have a market in uh, effluent rights. For, for large uh, manufacturing concerns. Uh, for manufacturing concerns, which is where most of it comes from. And you do the same by charging, essentially making, uh, making it a requirement that automobiles have to have uh, the catalytic converters. Catalytic and so converters. Forth. Well, and that's effectively making individuals be responsible for costs they impose on others. Remember, what I said is the, the key feature of a libertarian view is that you should be free to do what you want, provided you don't prevent other people from doing the same thing. Okay. And so the only case for government is when it is not feasible for market arrangements to make individuals pay, compensate others for any harm they impose on them. If you and I enter into an agreement to buy or sell something, well, that's our businesses. Right. You may lose, I may lose, or more likely we're both going to win. We're not going to enter into it unless both of us think it's better for us. But there are cases like uh, uh, the power plant that emits smoke that dirties my shirt, in right. which the, power, the, the company is imposing a cost on me for which I'm not, I'm not being compensated. Those are the only cases. But you have to qualify that mm -hmm. by noting that when government enters in, it also is emitting smoke. It's also imposing costs on third parties because it's, uh, it's, it's always a very imperfect arrangement. And moreover, it always has to collect taxes. And in the process of collecting taxes, it's, it's, as I always say, there's a smokestack on the back of every government program. A smokestack on the back of every government program. By that you mean a distortion right. in the marketplace. And an imposing of costs on third parties for which the third parties are not compensated. So the key characteristic in which you find a circumstance where it's legitimate for the government to intervene would typically be where property rights are vague or diffuse. Is that correct? And where it's almost impossible to, to make them precise. Them. That okay. is a problem in the case of the uh, power plant. All right. is that there's no way in which you can say you have to get the agreement of each of the persons whose shirt you're going to dirty right. and pay them for the privilege of dirtying their shirts before you can do it. So, on the environment, the Greens actually do have a point. Uh, that is one area sure. where there is a strong case. But in most cases, in practice, when you look at it, and there are some people up at Perk, as you know, the, right. who have uh, Terry Anderson, who I'm sure has been on your program. That's right. This. Uh, who have demonstrated that there are many, many cases in which market arrangements are far more effective than command and control arrangements. The Food and Drug Administration, which regulates everything from uh, the drugs that pharmaceutical companies may put on the market to the ingredients in items that we purchase off the grocery store shelves. Let me give you an example. Thalidomide. Mm -hmm. Thalidomide, marketed favorite in the, Everybody's favorite example. Well, I'm, well I'm, I may be leading with my chin on this one, but I'm going to lead with it anyway. 50s and 60s, it is marketed in Europe as a drug to help women get through the nausea that they sometimes experience during pregnancy. The Food and Drug Administration said it had been inadequately tested in the United States and forbade it to be marketed in this country, with the result that thousands of children were born with horrible birth uh, defects in Europe, two mothers who had used thalidomide, 
but that didn't happen to American children because true. the FDA had intervened and kept that drug off the market. Thank God for the FDA, right? Wrong. All right, why? This is a case in which they did save lives. This was a good case. But I suppose they uh, are equally slow in adopting a drug which turns out to be very good and very beneficial. How do you ever see the lives that are lost because of that? You're an FBA official. Right. You have a question of whether to approve or disapprove a new drug. If you approve it, and it turns out to be a bad drug like thalidomide, you're in the soup. You're gonna, your name's going to be on every it front page. cost me my job. I get hauled up to right. Congress to testify. Right. On the other hand, if you disapprove it, but it turns out to be good, well, then later on you approve it four or five years later. Nobody is going to complain about the fact that you didn't prove it earlier except those greedy uh, pharmaceutical companies that want to make profits at the expense right. of the public, as the saying, go as, as everybody will say. Uh, and so the result is that the pressure on the FDA is always to be late in approving. And there is enormous evidence that they have caused more deaths by their late approvals than they have saved by their early approvals. So your view is abolish the FDA? Absolutely. And what comes up what in comes its up place? What comes up is it's in the self-interest of pharmaceutical com companies not to have these bad things. Do you think the manufacturer so, of thalidomide made a profit out of thalidomide or lost? I see. Okay. And you have to have, people should be responsible for harm that they do. It should have been possible. So tort law takes Absolutely. care of a lot of this. Absolutely. All right. If, I, if, 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 if Lilly or Merck or somebody else comes up with a drug that does me harm, they have, I go after them. I do a joint class action with everybody else who's taken that pill. And we sue them for billions of dollars and wipe out their shareholders' equity. Absolutely. And Seeing not, that, they have every interest right. to be extremely rigorous in testing that drug before they make it available. Let me give you a different example. All right. The rules imposed on, on airlines for right. safety, supposedly. Right. Who has the most interest in preventing airline accidents? Uh, after the passenger themselves, the airlines. Well, it's not even clear that the passengers have more interest than the airline. All right. Because in included in the passengers are the pilots. Right, of course. Why is the government going to improve airline safety? How are they going to do it? How do they add any incentive to anybody to improve airline safety? Obesity is a big problem in this country. Yes, indeed. But up until <laughs> uh, recent years, it was very tough for a dieter to pick up a package uh, in the grocery store and figure out what the ingredients were, what the carbohydrate content is, the fat calories, and so on and so forth. So the government imposes quite modest rules for posting the nutritional values on packages in the grocery store. And now you can pick up and say, this has so much fat, this has less fat, I'll buy this. Now, isn't that a modest and completely acceptable government intervention. But let's keep going. All right. And the government also prevents useful information from being passed on. Let me give you the simplest example. All right. Aspirin. We, you I know, and I know, <coughs> that you're well advised to take an aspirin every other day to reduce the danger of heart attack. Right. But, the, but that's not allowed to be stated on an aspirin package. On account of? The FDA prohibits it. They, they control the information that can be stated on a uh, label. Right. Now, there are some libertarian uh, manufacturers of, of, of drugs who have proposed, who have tried to push through the idea that they can put on their 
uh, thing. This is what the FDA says, and this is what we say. Choose. And they are not being allowed to do it. They're not even being allowed to do that. So that if, if customers really wanted to know about the ingredients, it would be in the self-interest of the people producing it to put it on their packages. Those packages that had the ingredients on it would be more attractive to consumers than those that didn't. But now, it's always a mystery to me why people think that some experts in a Washington office who don't know you, don't know me, don't know our children, know better than you and I do what we want to have on our packages and what we want our children to know. Once again, on balance, get rid of the FDA. Absolutely. Get rid of these government regulations. Absolutely. The FDA initially had the requirement to assure the, the safety, but not the efficacy, of the drugs that they approved. With the so-called Kefauver amendments that came in as a result of thalidomide, mm. which you brought up, the FDA was, expanded its mandate that it is required to assure both the safety and the efficacy of the drugs. And that has enormously raised the cost of getting drugs approved. I see. And uh, if you wanted to have a halfway house, you could go back to the earlier standard where the FDA had to certify the safety, but did not have to express a judgment on the efficacy. The FDA the simply in ensures that pharmaceutical companies live up to the old dictum, first do no harm. Right. This pill may not change your life, but it won't hurt you. Right. Therefore, it may be marketed. Yeah. Okay. Now, let me move to another case. And this one, this one, I think, is pretty tough no, for a libertarian. All right? So you may, you're allowed to take a deep breath before I hit you with this one if you want to. Civil rights. Civil what do you mean by civil rights? Si by what I mean by civil rights is, uh, to take a raw case, the South, under Jim Crow, in the 1950s. But that was a case of government, uh, of too much government. It not was? Too little government. Well, I thought the South in those days had relatively low tax rates, relatively oh, low regulation. Oh, no, no, but the government provided for, for a separation. It was a government that enforced uh, separate areas for blacks and whites. It was a government that enforced the, the law that the blacks had to sit at the back of buses. Those were all government laws. In the absence of those government laws, it wouldn't have taken place? In other words, what In the, the absence point? of government laws, you would have had a gradual development. It would have taken place somewhere and not otherwhere. And you would have... And look at what happened in the North, where there weren't those government laws. Right. There may have been, Dave. Uh, undoubtedly, don't misunderstand me, there is prejudice. There's no question. Right. And undoubtedly, it has bad effects on various people. But, there, but in the absence of the laws in the South, it would have broken down much faster and much earlier. That's, if, if, if you could cite any case for libertarianism, that's it. I have a list here of the 14 cabinet departments. Now, 14 is a lot for television, so I want to just go right down the list quickly and have you give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Keep yeah. them or abolish them. Department of Agriculture. Abolish. Gone. Department of Commerce. Abolish. Gone. Department of Defense. Keep. Keep it. Department of Education. Abolish. Gone. Energy. Abolish. How's Except that energy ties in with the military. Well, then we shove it under defense. That's the little right. bit that handles the nuclear... Right, that uh, ought to go under Plutonium defense. and so forth goes under defense, but we abolish the rest of it. Health and human services? There is, some pu there are, there is room for some public health activities to prevent uh, 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 contagion, uh, such a thing as, for example... So you'd uh, keep the National Institutes of Health, say, and no, the Center no, for Disease no, Control no, down in No, no, not the Atlanta. National Institutes of Health. Those are mostly research agencies. No, no. That's a question of 
whether the government should be involved in financing research. And the answer is no. Well, that's a, that's a very complicated issue, and it's not an easy answer with respect to that. We'll eliminate half of the Department of Health yeah, and Human Services? Like okay, one half. There we go. Housing and urban development? Out. Oh, didn't even pause over that one. Department of the Interior. Oh, well, but housing and urban development has done an enormous amount of harm. My God. There have been many more dwelling units torn down in the, in the, in the name of public housing than have been built. Jack Kemp has proposed selling to the current inhabitants of public housing their unit, their townhouse, their apartment, for a dollar apiece, and just shifting the ownership to and the getting, people who live in If you it. got rid of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, it would be worth doing that. All right, done. That's gone. Department of the Interior, your beloved National uh, Park Service. Well, given that the problem there is, you first have to sell off all the land that the government owns. But that's what you should do. You but it should could be done pretty quickly. It could be done. Hold, you should, you should do that. There's no reason for the right. government to own. The government now owns something like one-third of all the land in the country. And that's too much. Should go uh -huh. down to zero. Should go down to, well, not entirely zero. They ought to own the land on which government buildings are. Right. <laughs> okay, terrific. Department of Justice. Oh, yes. Keep that one. Keep that one. Labor. No. Gone. State. Keep. Keep it. Transportation. Gone. Gone. The Treasury? You have to keep it to collect taxes. All right, collect taxes through the Treasury. Veterans Affairs? You can regard the Veteran Affairs as a way of, of, of paying, essentially, salaries for services of those who have been in the armed force. But you ought to be able to get rid of it. You by, should be pay, able to by, get, by just pay it off. Pay it off. Pay off lump sums, perhaps. That's right. And just get rid of it. Okay, Milton Friedman. If you are made dictator for one day, the next day the no, American I government... No, no, I don't no. want to be made dictator. You wouldn't. I don't believe in dictators. Okay. I believe we want to bring about change by the, by the agreement the of the citizens. I don't, I don't believe in arbitrary rule. Let me put it this way, then. If your, I your can't proposal... persuade, if we can't persuade the public that it's desirable to do these things, we have no right to impose them, even if we had the power to do it. All right. From 14 departments down to, to four, its basic four and a half, fundamental four and functions. And what are its fundamental functions? A pre uh, a preserve the peace, defend the country, All right. provide a mechanism whereby individuals can adjudicate their disputes. That's the Justice, Justice Department. Department. Uh, protect individuals from being uh, coerced by other individuals. The police function. Right. And now, this is both the central government and the state and local governments. The police function is primarily local and central. Right. And those are the fundamental functions of government, in my opinion. Milton Friedman, thank you very much. All right, here's um, an Icaro to end this episode with, and it's called Courtship from the album Woven Songs of the Amazon. Have a good New Year's and uh, freedom is in the mind. But I don't care. No more, 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 no more
Zama zama shamanira Paru rusa senwa Para para wiranai Para para wiranai Aburukikia Bunduma burukikili Bunduma burukiki Hakuna eskoikanai Hatutsiki shantana Tiki tiki buidarai Para para buidarai Nukushamashora noirukiki Shutaburu kiki Duba numa para buira Para para buira shamanai Paru paru sananai nuar Para para buira nai Shaa